Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. My name is Justin Lee, and I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello to both of you. Good morning. Plenty to talk about this week. It is definitely one of the uh, busy parts of the year. We definitely have to follow up on uh, the status of Daniel Oladapo we talked about on the last show and the ever-popular transfer portal. Plenty of Tigers things to talk about, and I want you to know that the statistics department has been hard at work analyzing the Tigers' performance thus far this season, and I see Brandon's face palm. We also want to talk about the big trade with the Red Wings. Um, Real interesting deal there. Quick wrap-up on the Masters. And, of course, the best part of the Lions season is going on right now with the draft. So we'll cover all of those topics on today's Emporium. Uh, It seems like we talk about this uh, every week, uh, or every show, with the transfer portal. College basketball's new least best friend and has claimed another Golden Grizzly. Yeah, Danny Oladapo has gone down to Pitt, uh, so he will uh, be moving to that particular program. If I'm not mistaken, is that the, I don't know, is that the Big East conference? I don't know what conference that uh, is, man. Nope, they are in the ACC. Okay, oh, okay. They, okay. Keep, uh, the, they keep the basement warm there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Good for him. Good for him. Good for Daniel. Yeah. Good I, I Daniel. mean, that's basically my uh, basically my take. You know, Pitt hasn't made the NCAA tournament in five years. They didn't even make an NIT in the last five years. They lost three starters to the transfer portal. Good luck. Have fun against Duke. You know, guys, we talked on the last show, um, the transfer portal, when you kind of take a step back, um, you really have to consider the participants in the transfer portal are, you know, very, very, very young men, uh, upper teens, lower 20s. Um, And, you know, the decision-making process of people at that age is always under scrutiny. It's been under scrutiny well before any of us were on the earth. And it will continue to be. Um, and and my, I, I don't want to, you know, crucify Daniel Oladapo for his decision because in, in the end, he, he's, he has reasons for what he's doing. Um, but at the same time, guys, it, it, it is a bit of, uh, of a head scratcher to go to a program with that track record that Brandon just gave out. And it, it, and I... And I, I feel for a guy like for, for Greg Campy, who I'm sure I, I I don't know what Coach Campy can do in a situation like this. Um, I don't know if the, if he's restricted to having conversations once those players are in the transfer portal or whatnot. Um, sure. But it just it, it just seems to me that they're when you're looking at this type of thing. Um, I I don't know. It it it, it is it, in general, not just open basketball. I'm just talking in general. The decision making is, is a bit of a head scratcher, and the the the, the strategy and and the thought process. And and I'm I'm I, you know and again, I wish Dan, Daniel Odapo all the luck in the world. But at the same time, you get concerned when you see decision making that just simply doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where you I'm... know, the list of teams. Hmm. Brandon's internet is having problems. Indeed, it is. Um, I was just going to say, Adam, that, uh, yeah, th- this one, I, I mean, you took the words right out of my, my mouth. I was going to say head scratcher. It, it's definitely that. Um, you know, and, and he had even, you know, Campy had said that, um, Oladapo told him he was happy, uh, you know, at the end of the season when they did their, like, you know, season end interview, what have you. Um, so it just, it's it's surprising. And, and the only thing I can speculate is maybe he thinks, because he's got two years eligibility left, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, he thinks playing in a bigger conference somehow will land him a contract in the NBA or on a European team or what have you. So 
Brandon, hopefully your internet's uh, back. Yeah, I mean, it said I had a good connection the whole time, so someone's lying. There's a liar amongst us. <laughs> it's either Drain Central or it's one of you. No, you know, what I was going to say is you even looked at the teams he's being engaged with. One in particular, St. Bonaventure, which made the NCAA tournament, is going to be highly competitive next year <clears throat> and is going to may go back to the NCAA tournament. Like, why not go there? You know, you're an undersized forward going to the ACC against Virginia Tech, Florida State, Duke. I mean, he's going to get run over. Like, because he does not have the athletic ability of the four or five, three, four or five star recruits that are playing at that school. So I get why he wants to play against better competition, but on a team that's not going to be competitive, maybe, maybe in his last year, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to scratch something together. But it, it just seems like he's in for a real rough season. Yeah, no, sure. typically the guards at Duke are about his size. I was just thinking the same thing is he would almost have to transition to guard to be appropriately sized. I mean, Florida State, their average height is 6'8". He's 6'7". And maybe with Oladapo's game, because he is as athletic as he is, maybe that is the conversation at Pitt to say, hey, we think because of your ability to slash to the basket, your ability to 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 rebound, maybe you <clears throat> maybe you are a you know, or maybe at you know worse the point forward or something of that variety where where he's. It's a good move for Pitt. I mean, they they targeted him hard. You know, there was I think in one of the original articles that came up, they said they had reached out to him three or four times. I know why Pitt wanted him. You know, I just don't know why he wants to expose himself to you know. I think a year. Where, you know, if they win 15 games next year, I think they'll be very lucky as a team. You know, we'll see the year after, but right. you know, they also right. lost a ton of talent in the transfer portal. You know, and I, I, I'm wondering, if, uh, again, I go back to who is counseling these players, when, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what is the end game for Oladapo when he says, hey, I'm going to go there. I mean, is it, hey, if I continue playing at Oakland, I'm not going to have a good chance of playing in Europe. And I, I think if I get over to Pittsburgh, you know, to, to Pitt, then I'm going to, you know, definitely cement myself in, um, you know, in, in Europe or wherever he's looking to play, you know, at that point. I, I mean, at the, I don't think at this point he's an NBA guy. I mean, I, I that, that's not my, my takeaway. Maybe he's a Julie guy, um, um, you know, and but but I would think the goal would be to get over to Europe, play over there for a few years, make a few bucks and move on. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, and that goes back to my original question. I'm trying to figure out that thought process. You know, I might not be, my recollection might not be perfect, but I know of one one Pittsburgh first-round draft pick in the last seven years. I mean, they're not they're not very good. They had a, they had a really good run between like 07 and 2012 or something like that. They were a one seed way back then, but they haven't produced anything of value in the last seven eight years. I don't even know if they've had a first-round draft. I think they had one a couple of years ago, Cameron Johnson. Um, then Oakland had K. Felder. I mean, like what? I, you know, I, I just I'm baffled. So with that said, it'll continue to be part of the story, you know, I mean, we'll, as we move on into the, um, into the fall and start up another season, we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens from there. So, yeah, with that said, um, our, our favorite hometown baseball team, um, the Tigers, uh, just to I, clarify, um, I was waiting for this moment now for about ten days to figure out where exactly this conversation was going to go. So <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat trying to figure out if there's going to be the pragmatic, very just you know, just you know, let's just watch how things go, Justin, or if there's the let's just burn it down. I'm done watching it. My patience is absolutely out, you know, and we're so. I'm going to be quiet and let you and, and Brandon, by all means, you know, if you need to interject, you guys go at it and then I'll, I'll, I'll wait for my, my time. Thank you. And then the camera that's went funny. out. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's funny. Um, so let me offer some statistics from the stats department. 
Over the last three games, the Tigers are hitting roughly as good as an average Major League pitcher. Um, they are uh, 9 for 77, having scored one run with one RBI, walked three times, and struck out 40 times. Um, that translates into assuming a 600 at bat season well over 600 or well over 250 strikeouts i mean that makes adam dunn really look i mean that's that's some yeah that's some good stuff right there um i'm confused right now quite honestly by how uh, by what's going on with the tigers um Brandon texted me many weeks ago and said that this is going to be the team that goes and sweeps the Dodgers and then like loses X number of games in a row. Um, you know, like, yep. And lo and behold, that's exactly what's happened. I mean, they played great against Houston. They played good baseball. They don't have the kind of talent. We cannot expect them to have the kind of talent. And there's two issues going on here. Because I, I do think people's expectations are still in left field in reading some of the so-called journalists who are covering the team, um, and really more of the columnists, not, not the guys covering, but um, they don't have the talent. But then there's the good baseball part of this. They were playing good baseball. They were working counts. I mean, it was like the first time in years we were seeing them actually force starters out early like opening day against Bieber I mean they they worked the count hard they got him to throw a lot of pitches and they were doing that consistently over the first few weeks of the season I mean the Tigers haven't done that probably since like the 80s I mean you, you think about it is you know those teams under Leland was very free swinging teams and that was their strategy it was go hit ball and yeah, when you've got guys like Cabrera in his prime and Martinez and other Martinez and Guillen and Polanco and Ardonia, yeah, of course you let them go up there and hit the ball because they're going to hit it. Unless you've got a team like that, you've got to do things the other way. And base running. Tigers super aggressive on the base paths these first few weeks. Really good to see. You force other teams to make decisions. Make plays, rather. And decisions, like we saw in that opening series against Cleveland. Like they really, Cleveland had no idea the concept of a cutoff man in that series. They were just throwing the ball all over the field uh, to the point where, like, you could see how disgusted some of their infielders were chasing the ball down. <laughs> like, guys, come on. The point is, is okay, you got this momentum coming out of spring training. You're playing good baseball. And now. I mean, these last couple weeks, really last 10 days, oh my God, it's, it's, it's been atrocious. It's just atrocious baseball. How do you strike out 18 times in a game and, and walk once? You know? Okay, fine. You had a bad game. Roger Clemens, you know, took some more steroids, allegedly, and, and pitched last night. Okay, whatever. But then the night before... The doubleheader before, 21 strikeouts, one walk, or two walks, whatever it was. It, 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 it's, it's, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Because nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Like, nothing changed from the beginning of the season to this part of the season. And it's just this complete, Again, head-scratching sort of thing. Buck Farmer, for the last six seasons, has been a very solid reliever for the Tigers. Not great by any stretch of the imagination. But a 4-4-5 to four five ERA guy who has been fine. He's been completely and utterly fine. Certainly replacement player level as a reliever. This year, his ERA is 12. Oh, how does that happen, right? I mean, I just... I'm I'm confused. <laughs> I really don't have anything else on that. It's just what on earth is going on? And t this right now issue is not any one thing's fault. We can talk about the bigger issue of direction of the organization. 
but I don't understand what's going on this year. Uh, so, okay, so you, you mentioned two things right there. So for, first off, I, I mean, my my expectations coming into the season were pretty low. I mean, I, I, I didn't really see much of a reason. You know, my hope was we're going to see Mike and Stubel and Manning and, and, and see some stuff there. And sure, there, there's been some stuff, but boy, there's been some ugly stuff too, right? So, well, okay, that's fine. You know, that's okay, fine. But the, the, to to have what you had for the first two weeks of the season, which was a a watchable team, it was a, it, it was a watchable team to go into now a completely unwatchable team is and, and I, I I and again I I get back into and and. Your point about the, the, the hitting is really important because I, I was talking to someone last night. And I said, you know, th- this team actually from a pitching standpoint, yeah, they've had some not so good games. But in general, the pitching collectively has been respect, uh, respectable. The hitting, though, is just absolutely awful. But going back to the pitching... I'm, and, and I already mentioned it. I'm a little disappointed by the lack of development of both Scooble and Mize. But then when I start looking at the stacks, I mean, Mize has had two bad games. Scooble has had three bad games. But then they've had games where they looked very respectable. But the problem is the expectations are way more for both of them, right? And But then I get into the the hitting and it oh go back to the pitch, I'm sorry. Now I know that Chris Fetters was out what four weeks, you know, in the kind of period of time and of course there was a lot of excitement when that guy got brought on, at least among, you know, baseball circles and you know, some expectations. Now I'm trying to figure out with the pitching, even though I said it's been respectable. Is this a classic case if we sit here on the a Saturday of the Kentucky Derby that that this pitching is going to get broken down and rebuilt back up. Is that, is that what we're looking at? Is that the expectation? Brandon? Yeah, it might. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think my concern is more on the bigger picture that Justin mentioned, which is, are That's these fine. guys really have talent? going to get eaten alive because Al can't assemble a major league roster. Like, and that's my fear is that, you know, what he's done well seemingly is not screw up the obvious, right? Like by every metric, just about everybody, the consensus is the farm system's extremely strong. Among the best in baseball, like you see it on the, you see the flat, particularly from Mize, more so than school. You see the flat, like he's going to be a very good major league. Pick. And so, you know, people rave about Torkelson, they rave about Riley Green. So, all that seems to be making sense, but you can't assemble a major league roster, you know? Like, and so my fear is they're going to be in perpetual rebuild mode, like a lot of franchises have been caught in across all sports. You know, you, you become the next Royals until they finally figure it out. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Detroit Lions, like where, you know, you get these guys with talent that come in, but they get just get chewed up and spit out because they're not surrounded by, you know, in some cases, the right coaching staff. I don't think that's the case here. Or in some cases, there's just not the talent around them, you know, to allow for even just some of the ups and downs, like not even their performance on the field, but, you know, what pressure does Myers feel when he goes out there and pitches right now? Versus a guy like Porcello when he was coming up, was fifth in the rotation at age, right? You know, like, you know, even Verlander, you know, had a lot less on his shoulders than seemingly Myers does right now in order about what he's got to do for this team. So, this is Going back to the Al Avila point, and my question to both of you is this, is, and, and I've, I've heard his name now mentioned more in the last two weeks than I have since his dad passed away, and that's Chris Illich, is, you know, and I know no one wants to spend their way out of this thing. And, and maybe, uh, and I don't think, you know, I know that the budget's been, you know, limited and some of the contracts, and, and I think part of it's just based on, you know, free agency in baseball. It's either the 2025, they're making some ridiculous amount of money, or the you know the the rest of you know that 90 percent you know where they're making almost no money. So there's really not a whole lot of in between available. But is this a Chris Illich? Is it 
spending money on free agents in, in order to produce a respectable roster, or is this, this simply uh, what Brandon has been talking about now for years? And I have to give him credit. I mean, it, it's 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 definitely bearing itself very correct at this point. Alvilla just simply not having the capability of fielding a you know a, a major league roster. I don't even know that you have to spend money. CJ Crown, let him walk. Stand for a million dollars in Colorado. He's not like MVP out there right now, but he's hitting 270. He's he's had a couple of home runs. He's knocked in two RBIs or whatever. What about Mitch Moreland? Go sign Mitch Moreland. Like guys that could just hit. But instead, you took a flyer on Nunez, who you threw to the curb. You know, five weeks later at first base. Like you know, it, you don't have to spend the money. You just have to know how to go get the talent. You got to know, you got to have instinct on who's actually going to work out. You know, Ramos, yeah, all right, he's hanging in there, right? Like, I mean, there are wins and losses in that low, low, in the low stakes free agency game, and we keep losing. You know, and some you can credit injury luck, but again, that's a part of scouting too. How much does I left have in the tank? What's his conditioning like? You know, and, you know, in a single, in a singular year, you can say you got bad luck with some free agency signings, but this is, you know, this is your four here of trying to patchwork it. We all understand patchwork, but we just keep losing over and over and over again on these individual signings. But let's let's look at some of those signings, and I think Nunez is a really good point. Um, I was very perplexed by why they brought him up for a week and then DFA'd him right again. It's like, well, why why did you do that? Don't bring then don't bring him up. Let him continue to play down at the alternate site unless you're planning on using him for a while. Um, that was confusing, uh, no doubt about that. Um, you know, uh, and to your point, Brandon, let's, let's look at Julio Tehran. Um, pitch one game, now he's on the 60-day DL. I mean, he went from getting scratched not an hour before game time for his second start to going on the 60-day DL a couple of weeks later with a strained shoulder. What on earth happened there? What on earth happened there? And, and this is a guy who's been extremely durable over his career. You know, like in the past seasons, we had, you know, um, you know, we, we went out and got more, for example, who got hurt every time he ties his shoelace. Okay. Um, although he did then the following season have a great year in Japan and is back in the majors, you know, but then we had Tyson Ross pitched three, four games gone. Um we picked up uh, Dario Agrasal, who had been a replacement-level guy, gone, entire season. Didn't pitch a game for the Tigers. Uh, if it keeps happening over and over again, you have to look at the pattern. Um, yeah, you do. And, and that's not Avila. That is absolutely on him and his staff. You know what the interesting thing, though, is, is our conversation about all those signings at the time is like, hmm, that's an interesting flyer. Like, we got a good value on him. Like, oh, he's been, like, there's a re, like, we kept saying the same thing about a lot of these guys, including the, his name escapes me, the second baseman we got from the the Pirates. Uh, Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison, right? I like that. I love that signing. You know, but there's a reason why we're like, wow, why did we fall? How how did we get him that cheap? And why did he fall to us? But then again, he's played two more years with the Nationals. He's, He's on the Nationals right now as a bench guy. Like, I, I, I mean, it, it. As a bench guy. Yeah, but the Nationals also, who are a way better baseball team than the Tigers. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, again, it, it's, it's very confusing because, on the other hand, you've got Jose Urena, who so far has been a very, very decent pickup. I mean, he's pitched pretty well, other than, you know, he had one pretty bad game, but. Jonathan Scope, he had a really good year last year. He really did. It was a good signing. Um, this year he's hitting 198. I mean, shoulder shrug. Like, yeah, it, but it, I think it's the it's the you know it's it's how the pieces fit together too. I mean, the, he, yeah, these guys need need help, and you know this is where you know I'm, and I actually really don't even like this guy that much. But you know, go spend another six seven million on Jack Peterson though. Like, yeah. go and just in pocket spend a little bit more money to get a little bit more consistency to help some of these guys out because you know 
God bless Candelario for scratching out 260 right now because he's got a black hole behind him, you know, that, hit, that gets a hit once every 10 games. And, you know, a bunch of other aging, you know, veteran guys that are struggling to, you know, to make contact right now. Yeah. And, and it is a cascading effect. I think Grossman has done all right. Uh, at least he walks and gets on base. Um, so he's got that going for him. But Willie Castro has dropped 130 points in average. Um, and and it, yeah. uh, uh, yes and no. He's streaky. He's streaky. What's that? He's streaky. I mean, you know. yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, you know, but I, I wasn't expecting, you know, Reyes to hit 118 at this point in the season. Uh, I wasn't expecting Jacoby Jones to, well, probably not be injured, but hitting 118 at this point in the season. I mean, it's kind of like, is it even realistic to sit there and be like, well, he should have known these guys were all going to suck this year. Um, And I don't know that that's fair either. Um, I don't know. Nico Goodrum, on the other hand, his stats are pretty bad. They were pretty bad last year. And they've got to roll him out there in a starting role almost every day at this point. And again, gets back to that depth conversation, which is 100% on Avila. So I don't know. I, I don't have a – I just don't know. But maybe it is time to really start looking at a different direction for all that stuff. Because um, it's got to be soon. It's got to be soon. They weren't going to be contenders this year under pretty much any circumstance. Um, but boy, next year they needed to really start being in the conversation. Maybe they weren't going to play, make the playoffs or whatever, but. 75 yeah. wins. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. hit 80. Like, yeah. You need to be a 500 team. Yeah. Yeah. Your goal next year was to be very respectable and, and see the light at the end of the tunnel. And at yeah. this point, there's no light. There, we you might if we be turned backwards. I don't know. I have no idea at this point. But the point is, is that there is no light, and 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 that's a real, real problem. And you know what? By the way, I'm going to bring up a name that usually, well, my good friend Brandon would bring up, but he's done at this point, Mister Cabrera. He just, you know, it's strange too because I thought, okay. You know, that last, you know, when uh, Garten Hire was, you know, retired and he had the, you know, a little bit of a burst there at the end of last season, I thought, okay, maybe this is a, a good jumping off point into the next season. And of course, then we get into this season and no, it's not there. And I, I'll tell you, when you're paying that, that much money for a guy who's producing so little, I'm sure that could be a bit of, a, you know, a lot of deflation there too. So, uh, not good. Well, he certainly has not been uh, good this part of the year, or uh, good thus far either. So it's no, no. Yeah. no. I think you know the front. I, mean, I I just want to know what happened in 2016. I really want to know. I'm talking about I average WAR. You know, if you want to go to the saber metrics, right? Was what four five? And he's in. You know, he's he's. In the last five years, he's had an even war and then three years of negative war, if you include this year. I mean, like, it's just, like, it just, just a, a fell off a cliff. Like, his sabermetric numbers are just all false since 2016. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> money because we've talked about how that's sunk money. I don't care. Correct. It's sunk it money. At this point. Well, then the only question becomes, do you cut him loose to open up a roster spot? And at this point, the answer to that is no, because there's no, no one to take it. No, um, no, 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 no. So it's it's kind of it is. What you got to hope that he almost walks away of his own volition. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to do that when he's got <laughs> milestones in front of him. Exactly. He he's going to keep going out there and hack and and. Well, we'll see what there's, happens. There's other factors of him not walking away too. So you know, a lot of money yeah. going out, a like, lot of different places. So like... <laughs> all that too. Um, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, we talked about it. I like, you know, I think that could well, make a gets, factor, right? He gets to keep a lot of that too, which is another factor. All, all, all these guys, they all have that built in their contract, anyways, these days, where they get to keep most of their money. 
Right. I think it's credible to bring out the call. No, I agree. He he absolutely has. He has many, many tens of millions of reasons (laughs) to keep playing. So, I mean, that's that's just the, the, the simple reality of it. So yeah, it's pretty pathetic. That's that is the uh, the long and the short of it. Um, what I will say is, on the plus side of things, um, I think the pitching. I, I think the pitching's been better, even than what we kind of intimated earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually really pleased to see the way Matthew Boyd has been pitching. Uh, of course, he went out with a knee injury. Um, we'll see what's going on with that. Um, Michael Fulmer has has had some really nice uh, games since he's come back, um, so we'll see we'll, we'll see where he where he lands. Um, like I said, Urania's done well. I think Mize is going to be perfectly fine, and I think he's in fact is going to be very 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 good. Um, Scooble is you know he's he's been rough, but again, not worried about it. Turnbull was out because of COVID. Now he's back and thrown a couple of decent starts. So uh, starting pitching is the key to success in the major leagues, quite honestly. I mean, assuming you have major league hitters in your lineup. And so having those guys and having some depth in the minors with those arms is a positive thing. So not all hope is lost. Um you know who who's getting crushed right now? Derek Holland. Every time he goes out of the mound, he gets crushed. And 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 we can go back, and, and we've been a little circular in this conversation, but we can absolutely go back to the uh, Alavila signings that didn't. I mean, fine, you take a flyer on the guy uh, with a minor league deal. That's fine. I mean, whatever. Who cares? But then he makes the roster over all these other young arms that we have, and then he's given up. 13 earned runs in eight innings. Like, why is he not DFA'd? <laughs> I mean, can someone explain that to me? And the Tigers have been carrying 14 pitchers, for the love of God. 14 pitchers. They, they had nine guys in, I think they still do, they have nine guys in their bullpen. The 1984 Tigers had nine pitchers that they carried. I mean, I'm going to say bad words if I keep going. So, all I'm going to say is it just – I don't know. I can just add one other thing that's a little, that's just even outside of – it's frustrating to me. It's like I just fear that if they if they do manage to get it turned around, like they're just getting lapped by, frankly, a bunch of other teams in our division that aren't very well – they're not very good franchises. They're not well-run traditionally. Like the White Sox are not a well-run franchise. Yeah. You know? no. Cleveland handed over probably a Hall of Fame player, you know, a Hall of Fame player last year. Like, you know, and the yeah. team to be running circles around us are the Twins, and they're doing crappy. So it's just like, and they're going to get, they're going to get it figured out. I mean, they have way too much talent in that, that order. So, it, you know. Absolutely. And speaking of the White Sox, and so when we were um, <laughs> last game that uh, we were at. Um, you know, how we always get the people who talk really loud behind us because it's just we have a sign or something. And so, and unfortunately, these, these folks are season ticket holders and they have six season tickets all separated because, you know, how we have the, um, you know, because of social distancing. So they were talking to each other, but they were shouting because they're trying to talk to the person who's literally sitting 10 seats over from them. So anyway, but then there was this other guy who just didn't stop talking. And he had one of those booming sort of voices. And we were wondering why. And and my wife suggested that it was performance art, which is quite possible. Um, it was it was really good. But th- this gentleman, I mean, he he clearly understands baseball. Okay. I mean, he, he was talking about some intricacies of the game. He's a high school coach. He, he understands how baseball works. On the other hand, this gentleman has to be roughly the same age as Adam and I, maybe even a little bit older. And he's going on about Tony La Russa and like, yeah, yeah, that guy had some DUIs, you know, like, I don't know why the White Sox even signed him. Like, what does he have to do with the White Sox? Like, wasn't he with the Cardinals forever? And, and, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, dude, come on. 
So, mm. but but to your point, Brandon Tony Larusa, what a signing for the White Sox! What mm. what planet were they on when they did that? Right? They're a terrible organization. They've been a terrible organization since roughly 1901. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, especially too with the Twins. I mean, all of a sudden Byron Buxton has finally put it together. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and and. Uh, Unfortunately, with that team, their pitching is very suspect. So um, I think if you can even match the hitting that they have with the Tiger pitching, you might have a respectable team in the uh, Central. So, but here we are. Yeah. One last thing I'm going to say, and this is just purely a pet peeve, um, is you know seeing an article in one of the papers, one of the columnists saying that, you know, you know, f- five years into the rebuild, the Tigers shouldn't be this bad. And my pet peeve there is they're not five years into the rebuild, and I'm tired. I've been hearing that for like three years. They've been doing this for five years. And like, we're still not even five years into the rebuild. And I'm not saying that Avila shouldn't be on the hot seat at this point, uh, because again, we're, we're, he's missing milestones. No question. Yeah. We're not five years. We're not. The end of next season will be five years, or trading deadline of next season will be five years. Not saying okay. you shouldn't be doing better. Not saying that. But that just really irritates me, and I had to get that off my chest, and thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, technically I think you're right. You know, I think you know the bigger the bigger thing they should be pointing to is they're, they're almost that many years into him attempting to, to feel the major league roster and failing over. Like if you Fine. actually tweet, and I said this at the beginning of my comments, you actually – Peel the rebuild off. It's the positive. Like that's the that's actually the, the draft picks are the positive. It's the fact that you can't seem to do anything else other than select the correct person at number one or number two or number three. Well, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would disagree a little bit with the draft. I mean, you know, you're hitting at the top of the draft. If you're not picking someone that's really, really good, you're you really, really are bad. And the point being it. is that you've got. You know, the Cody Clemens, and, and I mean, the guys that are outside of round one, where they seem to have no clue. I mean, you know, you can get a, okay, I'll try to be careful, but but the point is, is that if you're at the top of the draft and you're not able to pick someone really good based on consensus and all the over analysis that takes place, you're really in trouble. But the point I, is, I, I at this point, he needs to, because his thing is finding that young talent. And then, oh, by the way, in the meantime, are, are, do we, I, I don't, does, do the Tigers know that, 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 uh, um, you know, things happen in Latin America, that there's baseball people down there? I, I, I mean, because I, I guess we don't do that stuff anymore. I, I guess what we, we're, we're not drafting anyone down there because that there's almost no, absolutely no scouting, I guess, that even though I hear now, supposedly, they have some sort of facility down there now, and, and now they're really going to get into, you know, Latin American baseball. I, I don't, I, that, that's another one that's just weird when you have a your general manager's L Avila. So, I don't know, weird. Yeah, I'm with you, Adam. You know where I'm at. I've been bagging on Avila the first yeah, show no, when I came out with you guys. So, I'm just trying to be as fair as I can be. Like, I've been, I've been asking for him to go away, so for sure, I probably. Yeah. I guess I, you know, I I gave you your props right at the beginning of this conversation. If you didn't, I don't. Know, if hopefully you're. No, I did. I'm just saying that's why I'm trying to lift up the. the I know. Positive. You know, I'll. Uh, I guess I'll continue to be contrarian and just say Tarek School was a fourth round draft pick. If you if you wanted to, Avila's numbers are no better or worse than most general managers when it comes to drafting thus far. There is a limited scope. You know what I'm saying? Because it takes so long for major league players to get there. And right. now we're just getting into the, okay, where were his draft picks? Because if you look at Dave Dombrowski's drafts, and maybe he's not the right guy to compare it to. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 come on. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm being dumb. All right. Did we I, have I, draft picks when Dave was here? Yeah. <laughs> No, don't 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 get me started on Dave, please. You know <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'll stop. I'm not I'll the stop. president of his fan club. So. Okay, I'll stop now. Um, Let's just move on to Stevie Y and his crew. Yeah, speaking of doing rebuilds the right way, we leave the Tigers. And we head over to the Red Wings, and 
it's still early, obviously. Now I have mad respect for Steve Eiserman, and uh, he obviously did really great things with the Lightning. And uh, this trade that he made um, not long after our last recording um, was a barn burner, a blockbuster. Didn't see it coming. Um, although, you know, there's been rumors about Mantha for some time. There have been, you know, hush talk about potential locker room issues with him. Um, but a very talented young man. Um, and the wings go out and they get um, uh, Jacob Vrana, who, my goodness, is he a good young hockey player. So you, you get another good young hockey player, younger even. You get uh, Richard Panic, who's a very solid veteran guy. Again, speaking to Brandon's point about fielding a team that can go out and play hockey because you, or or baseball or whatever, because you still got to field the team to get these young guys up to speed. And then a number one draft pick and or a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick for Mantha. That to me seems like an absolute winner all day every day. Agree, disagree. I mean, couldn't couldn't agree. I think they 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 fleeced Washington, and I think Washington allowed it because you know Washington had different aims and different goals, and you know they're trying to go out there and win a you know another Stanley Cup. And so God bless them. And Anthony Mantha will score goals there. He started off on a tear. He's he's come back down to earth. You know, but Brown is out producing. I I I just you know I think by every metric the Tigers won that trade. Or excuse me, the, the Red Wings won that trade. Really did maybe, not. maybe maybe Avrana can pitch too. I don't know. Um, you know, the Wings won the trade. It was a good trade. I mean, the Wings, it's still rough out there. You know, it, yeah. it's not a very good team. By no, they're terrible. <laughs> and it, it can get real ugly at times. You know, I texted Justin a uh, a stat in the middle of the star, one of the many the fifty thousand games they played against the stars consecutively. <laughs> Where at the end of the second period, uh, the Stars had 41 shots and the Wings had six, and the Wings were up one. Uh, so not a great. That was previously a stat I only thought possible to exist in NHL video games, uh, but apparently it's uh, translatable to real life as well. You know they're they're not very good, but uh, this deal, you know, especially when you consider the draft picks, like I mean, it's just a, it, it's an absolute fleecing. You know, I, I keep on trying to take a, what what we need to take away from a guy like Mantha who, you know, get out of here and go kind of a bit of a scoring binge, which I, I don't really recall him ever being on a scoring binge in his career here. Um, and, and I mean, no doubt, I think, you know, we can all agree that uh, I, I believe uh, if I'm understanding this correctly, that, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, capital, it's the capitals, right? Um, you know, they're, 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 definitely a better team than the Detroit Red Wings. They're a better organization. So maybe Mantha's the typical guy that's going to play better when he's surrounded by talent, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I, I, I keep on struggling to, you know, get that takeaway from, and, and again, it definitely looks like it with uh, them being uh, 69 points a season, uh, about four below the rest of the, uh, you know, conference. But, I'm I'm trying to figure out what the takeaway is, even from a trade. Like, if we can take anything away from where the organization is and where uh, the coaching specifically is with Jeff Blaschel. Um and I I keep on thinking that you know even when I look at this and think oh well maybe Blaschel and the coaching staff wasn't doing enough to, to develop Mantha but maybe Mantha is isn't you know he's a good player but not a great player he can't create but he found himself in a place where he had opportunity because there there was talent around him versus here I I don't and I. I think it's just a Detroit, a person living in Detroit, ready for some teams to start winning games. And, and you start just just absolutely just getting the microscope out and looking at every speck of dust that you can to just try to figure out if there's some hope or, or some sort of reason as to why things just aren't really good right now. So, Yeah. Um, yeah. Years of mismanagement yeah. by the previous administration. Uh Go ahead, Brandon. You know, but the loop on Mantha, you know, I, he's his ice time's already gone down. He's an, already a negative player on one of the best teams in hockey. Like he he that that goal streak started, and then he, you know, he's got a couple of points his last four games. Like 
he, he's just he's gonna be what he's gonna be, and he will score points. You know, but he's gonna be he's not gonna be, you know, what the wings needed him to be, which was a top flight forward. He's gonna be a guy that can play 15, 16 minutes and score. And then they're gonna get the heck off the ice when it comes time to shut down and win a game or you know, whatever. Like for the Capitals, they needed size. He's a big dude. Um, you know, Rana was undersized in comparison. Like, and they got what they needed. I that they, they gave up a ransom for it. I mean, it's kind of like the classic, you know, team. You know, Ovechkin's got a couple of years left, maybe overpaying for you know a guy that they need to a rebuilding team. It's like, yeah, take him. And we'll pick the, the process. Yeah, absolutely true story, and that's sometimes how it works and Iserman did exactly what he needed to do. Mantha wasn't the right fit for this team. Mantha probably will have a good career overall. Um, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll get on the ice, he'll score some goals and that'll be that. So, but great move for the wings. Um, and just super excited as they continue to, uh, continue to rebuild. Um, so speaking of teams that don't win, uh, the Lions, uh, we are in draft uh, mode right now. Um, and I saw, I saw, a Wojo, uh, text or tweet something out saying that, uh, he doesn't know if the players will be good, but, uh, they can definitely win at Scrabble now by spelling their names. But, um, you know, one thing, well, I, I generally can cannot, like, I'm programmed to not say anything positive about the Lions. Um, one thing, though, I guess I'll force myself to say is they seem to have, particularly with their first-round guy, they seem to have a good young offensive line. And for the love of God, when was the last time that was true of the Lions? Like, early 90s? Yeah, early 90s, yes. That, that, that you're absolutely correct. Um, I think right now, if, you know, up until the draft, um, my takeaway was, and I really thought they were going to trade down, but I thought that was because maybe the team confronted them with draft correctly, but that they didn't do that. And hence, <laughs> um, really, you know, Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell had no choice but to take a guy that in a lot of years would have been a number one, number two draft pick rather than fall down at number six or seven. So they, they, they did what they had to do. But, um, you know, especially too, and, and not necessarily did they need to, but I mean, with them only having six picks this year, now next year they'll have probably with compensatory picks and the uh, Rams' first pick right now, they're, they're looking at about 12 draft picks, so they'll have twice as many draft picks next year compared to this year. Um, but the the uh, really, we didn't know a whole lot about this team going into the draft. We knew, um, but but right now, what we can say based on the free agent signings is that they are definitely prioritizing athletic ability, uh, speed, and in just general, um, just total overall athletic ability, uh, and that definitely gets personified. Uh, with the the uh, first four draft picks that they've had, uh, and everything, obviously they're wanting. You know, to your point, Justin, you talked about the offensive line. You know, a lot of people thought that their defensive line, with a couple of the signings and trades that they had, you know, this year thus far, uh, that they were all right, and there wasn't going to be a whole lot of investment there. They went out and got two maulers uh, in. Uh, 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 you know, the defensive tackle from Washington and then uh, Ali McNeil uh, from NC State. So, uh, and they got a guy, you know, from an, going back to the athletic ability, uh, you know, Iffy Millie Fonlu from uh, Syracuse, which a lot of people think should have been drafted, you know, probably upper, you know, top or, or middle of the second round. So, um, you know, but overall, the theme is athletic and speed, even though you and, and I, I suspect they'll try to do, you know, and then finally pluck a wide receiver today in a very, very deep wide receiver um, uh, draft. So I don't I don't disagree that I'm not, I'm not even saying I disagree with that, that they've done well. You know, I just I don't think much consistency in their strategies you're describing. You know, you want athletes, but you pass on the fastest wide receiver, Devontae Smith. I mean, they tried to trade up for Jamar Chase and failed. They were trying to get Jamar Chase, and then they passed on the Heisman winner. And so, yeah. um, you know, the, the lineman was the safe, easy pick. Like, but I don't know that I'm as confident that they know what they're doing as it suggests, because if they got their way, they would have taken Jamar 
Because that's what they wanted. No, I, 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 let me. Uh, I, I mean, Devontae Smith. The, the, the problem with Devontae Smith, I, I mean, my. I mean, we're all heavier than Devontae Smith by uh, even myself, right? I mean, he he's 160 pounds wet, right? I, I, and let me say this: I think he will be a league-defining player. But the problem is, is that. Is he going to be a lead-defining player for like two years before he gets completely built by safety going over the middle? I, I and again, I sit there and say, "Oh, you know, he did stuff at Alabama." You're, yeah, you're, you're right. They did stuff at Alabama, but I, I'm telling you, I just I look at that guy and I, 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 I think there's a world of difference between a, a Jamar and, and I think you know what. Regardless, I don't know. May, maybe there's people still in that building that go, "We did this with Travis Best, and it just didn't work out, and we do not want to be there again." I don't know. I don't know. And I'm mean, I'm not necessarily arguing against the quality of what they did. I'm just saying I don't know that I understand if they know what they're doing. You know, uh, why double uh, up on like I like building around the trenches. You know, and the quarterback cornerback they got could actually be really, really good. I can't pronounce any of these people's names. Um, he's actually like an incredibly athletic cornerback, but why? On defensive line, like it just—it just seems weird. Like, well, I, know what they're doing. I, well, I, here's what my my big takeaway is that they know they're not going to be good this year, so they're just going to go out and they got guys that they really like. They don't care what the position is, and I think with a lot of the, I bet you with a lot of the contracts and that defensive line, that it doesn't really matter. They'll carry extra guys this year. They'll figure out how to make it through the season, and then they'll start putting the, the you know, a lot of more, maybe a little more on position need going into the next year. By the way. I'm saying what I think they're going to do. This not an endorsement. And I think the good news with, uh, and I, yeah, you get Lion fans and blah, 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 you know, but the point being is that right now I'm, I'm not here. I mean, everyone's just sitting there watching this organization because they do not want to be slapped in the face again. No, so I, that, I, that's no, what, I like it, Adam. We're literally saying the exact opposite. I'm yeah. doing and saying we have no idea what they're doing. And you're saying they're doing, but I'm not necessarily endorsing it. Like, I yeah. actually think this is going to work out. I just don't understand. I don't know that they have a strategy. Like, I mean, this just seems. Yeah. And we like a guy, you know, to you, and you did say it. Like, we just like this guy. Like, yeah. what I like, what I'll tell you what I do like is they're not trying to outsmart everyone like the past two Nimrods. <laughs> like, the guys that they drafted, they are drafting, you know, you mentioned it, for, these are good athletes. They are big guys. Like, they're not trying to, you know, get the next great linebacker from Hawaii or, you know, what community, you know, that Quinn and, and Patricia were doing. So I like that. No, and I mean, the guys they picked, I mean, usually in the past, you know, there's, oh, we're going to get, you know, pick guys to fit our scheme. And then there's a lot of head scratching from the draft analyst. Now the draft analysts come out this year, and I mean, they're, they're, I haven't seen anyone complain. I mean, I got people texting me, oh, well, why'd they pick two DTs in a row? And, you know, what, what are they doing there? Where, you know, what, what? And I mean, guys, 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 they weren't going to win this year, period. They're, they're going to be terrible. They're going to be absolutely terrible. And then hopefully that translates into 12 really high draft picks next year. I'll okay, the compensatory and you know, and then our buddy, the Rams, you know, Maddie Stafford, he maybe probably stinks, you know, for whatever reason this coming year. And hopefully they get another high draft pick for this organization and they're able to do something with it. That, that That's, you know, and, and you know, and we're in we're in a very, very bizarre division here. We, we I hate saying we, by the way, but anyways, I mean, a very bizarre, bizarre division right now where I feel for Justin Fields because I think he is the best quarterback in this draft. I think he he has. I think he's the. And then he goes to the Bears, and I feel bad because I think Justin Fields deserves way better the treatment that he got before the draft, and I think he deserves a lot better team. And especially when you compare it to other guys, even though I. I I'm becoming less and less on Kyle Shanahan every time he opens up his mouth. Uh, for a guy that's, you know, he did go to the Super Bowl one year. God, I would love to go to the Super Bowl. But then they have the other three seasons do absolutely nothing in general, you know. And then, you know, but going back, Green Bay, I mean, that, that situation is just imploding. I'm enjoying every minute of it. But, you know, and and then Minnesota, Minnesota's not doing anything. I don't know what they're doing up there. So, I think I but, just uh, – uh, you just saw Kirk Cousin overthrow somebody. Yeah, 
Bob's yeah, well, then, her cousin's overthrowing uh, practice. But uh, but going back to the quarterbacks, though, um, you know, everyone knew Lawrence was going to you know Jacksonville. Um, that 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 was a no, it's been a no brainer for months now. Um, and and I think he's obviously a very high floor guy. I don't know what his ceiling is. I I don't know if his ceiling's nearly as high. Trey Lance, I've watched thirty minutes of that guy on YouTube. He's unbelievably talented. I just don't know if, and supposedly that the argument is he's was the smartest guy in this draft. Now I, I don't know, but that was weird because up until a couple of weeks ago, I heard Mac Jones was the smartest guy by a long shot, smartest guy that has been in the draft in a long time. Now all of a sudden, it's, it's Lance. Okay, fine. Okay, but I I think his ceiling is unbelievable, but his floor is so unbelievably low. Uh, and then you know, moving on, I think. I think Mac Jones, Mac Jones, especially going to where he's going, is going to be way better than a lot of people think. Um, and then, um, well, I'm, oh, and then we have our New York Jets, which I, I, I will tell you, I love Robert Sala. I just, I don't know how he will translate to a head coach. I'm very, very interested on that, and especially making the change. And I'm, I'm happy for Sam Darnold. I, I think he. A good fresh. I don't know exactly how it will translate because these college coaches coming in, you know, into the NFL ugh, has not worked out real well. And I, I don't really see an avenue for any of these guys, whether it be Arizona or, or Carolina. I'll be interested to see how those situations work out because it will go a long way in terms of determining guys like Pat Fitzgerald and other guys coming to the NFL. So I, I squeezed it all in. So. Definitely, uh, the NFL. I'm not impressed by this quarterback class. Oh, you are not. No. Okay. Uh, Zach Wilson uh, at the Jets. Good luck. Uh, I, I actually think that Fields could be the best quarterback of the the first, you know, five taken or however many it was. Um, I don't know. I'm not sold on Lawrence either. Not in the NFL. So. And I think a lot of that with Lawrence is between his left and right ear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really, I there's something I don't off with him. I, I don't know what it is. So. Um, you know, uh, just as a, a slightly, somewhat funny aside, um, you know, the Falcons took a tight end at number four, and. Uh, you know how uh, we've 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 reacted when the Lions have done things like that. I just thought that was kind of interesting in Kyle Pitts. Well, one, I think Kyle Pitts. I mean, he will be in the tight end position from time to time. But I think even he, though he was a tight end, I mean, he, most of his time was in the slot or even on the outside. Yeah. So, and I mean, he is. I mean. I think had he been there, you know, and we I talked about that on two shows ago that I thought Kyle, I mean, he, he might have been a line, but then he had his pro day, ran into like 10, or excuse me, four, like under 4-4. Four, four. Uh, and he just, he has very much a Calvin Johnson with, with more mm-hmm. speed. Uh, and um, I <laughs> I think he will be absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, and, and honestly, I'll go back. I mean, you know, I think I, think that Devontae Smith is absolutely a game changer. Uh, but I think he's a game changer on a really good f- football team. I, 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 that that's where, I mean, thankfully he didn't make it down to the Kansas City. So that, 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 that I don't, no one needs to see that. So <laughs> especially now that Kansas City has completely remade their offensive line. Yeah, which really, I mean, and you think about what the Lions have done. I think they're, they're, you know, again, going out and, and to your point, Justin, getting that offensive line where they need to be, it makes things easier than to, you know, you know, to add things on the, uh, you know, in, in the rest of the offense that way. It makes everything look better, especially with Williams, the running back from Green Bay that they got. And you're in those third and two situations, fourth and one goal line situations. You're so much better this year with the offensive line that you're going to have with Williams at running back than you were last year with Adrian Peterson trying to run the ball. No question. On the goal line. And and I I have always argued and will continue to argue all day long that football games are won and lost on the line. Um, and yes. I think the offensive line is even more important than the defensive line. Um, and so if you can have 
a talented athletic offensive line, you can you can at least be competitive. I mean, yeah. Do you need ta- you, do you need talent to at quarterback, wide receiver, running back? Of course. But but look at some of the guys who've won Super Bowls, and they're like these guys weren't world beater quarterbacks. The the one that comes to mind right now, and this is not fair entirely, but like Trent Dilfer type of guy. Now, granted, that situation was a little different, but but you know, in defense plays role. But but you you can have good quarterbacks, good wide receivers. You don't have to have great as long as you have that core line crew. To protect your guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Tampa did to the Chiefs what the Giants did to the Patriots when Brady was on the other side of it. I mean, yeah, very, very similar to those Super Bowls that the Giants beat the Patriots, and those were more competitive. But the Giants just dominated the Patriots' offensive line. That's that. So, um, wanted to also wrap up on the Masters uh, before we get out of here today, and uh, Matsuyama. Winning, I, I think at the time we did the last show, we were in the middle of the Masters, right? If I remember correctly, and yep. Justin Rose was in the lead um, at that point. So, um, I don't know, what are your takeaways from that? Well, props to Brandon again, because that was the name he brought up, uh, even though Mafiamo was down the uh, leaderboard a little bit. Uh, um, but, uh, no, in general, you, when you think about it, uh, uh, <laughs> the guy, you know, just absolutely destroyed the back nine there on Saturday. was allowed him to coast the victory. Would he have a 30 on the back nine or something of that variety? Uh, and then, to you know, to be able to move on. Um you know, in, in addition to that, you know, uh, you know, the, I I think the big <laughs> outside of seeing Makiyama win was absolutely really incredible, especially a lot of the aftermath, whether it be it's Caddy doing the salute on 18 to uh, all the admiration that he's received uh, back in Japan. Uh, but from a U.S. golf standpoint, it does definitely appear that Jordan Spieth uh, has things un- under control. And I, I would expect that when uh, um, at the end of May, at the end of this month, I'm transitioning here, uh, he will definitely be at the uh, top of the picks in terms of uh, uh, being able to win at Kiawa uh, Island in South Carolina. Um, and, uh, um, and, and, and the other thing is that Jean Shoffley, um, I'm trying to figure out what what is it going to take? It is these mental, you know, and, and again, he's so close at the Masters. I mean, uh, and and he's a good young guy between him and Patrick, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, I, I still, uh, you know, expect that both of them to win a few uh, majors along the way. Uh, but I thought of that at Ricky Fowler. So take that for what you will. And I think, you know, to say that, you know, about Cantlay and, and Shoffley, uh, uh, you know, at the same time, Man, the competition is so unbelievably tight in golf these days that, I mean, it, you, when you have that opportunity that Shoffley had, you absolutely have to take it. And for him to hit it in the water on 16, it's just, it's shocking because you just never see the ball go in the water there. I mean, it was the classic, just, he put it out there and just like mid-Stony Creek, it just all of a sudden, only take a hook left and then you're in the crap. I guess horrible. Tough, tough to watch, but yeah, speed yeah. and watching Makiyama really, really cool. So yeah, I mean, certainly what he did Saturday was I think unexpected to dominate the back nine. Yeah, the reason you know I called him out was just because he's a good shot maker, you know, and he doesn't have the and and this I think this is why one the over typically doesn't have the overpowering performances that you might see out of a Kepka or a Johnson where they just blow kind of blow past folks. But he can just make shots. And, you know, if you look at the guys that have won the Masters the last four or five years, you know, Garcia, Tiger, you know, Molinari. I mean, these guys are, I mean, they all hit the ball. But, you know, like they're not the the, the DeChambeau's of the world, right? Where they're just kind of, you know, swinging at the ball and, you know, at the Masters, that still works, you know, at, at, at some of these other tournaments. So. But he just he just played really well, and uh, unfortunate for Shoffley because you know showed that you know his raw ability is right up there with anybody, but just can't can't seem to put it together. And it's interesting because with the Masters this year, I mean those fairways were super wet, and then in the meantime, the uh, the, the the greens were. <laughs> 
it's faster than they've ever been. And, uh, you know, you look at a guy, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and a couple of these other guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Gus is going to continue uh, adjusting that course to, uh, um, you know, combat, if you will, the, you know, the, the game of golf. As it be. And, and certainly after November where Dustin Johnson just walked around again, everyone knows that there was a very different golf course in November versus April between the, the wind, the direction that was coming along with what they're able to do with the greens and, and just general shape of it. But uh, um, it, it was certainly entertaining. That's for sure. So that's all you can ask for as it comes to any of this stuff as frustrated as we get with our teams and the world in general uh the sports world in general it's got to be entertaining to watch and i can only hope that the tigers find a way to be somewhat entertaining to watch because i was actually looking forward to this season so we shall see with that said any final thoughts before we get out of here none here okay then uh, when are you thinking we're going to be back on the air? Maybe two weeks. Maybe I, I don't. I guess life will determine that, Justin. We never quite know what life will present us. So we're going to do one last week, and but uh, and it actually worked out. And then uh, this week, I didn't quite know if I would be on, but I we, we're here. We're, we're done now. So yep. and who knows what will happen in two weeks? So. Absolutely. <laughs> Not a whole but lot the, of good folks. This is where I'm a little bit concerned. So, Lions job will be over, so that'll be all downhill from there. And then we're just left to talk about the Pistons, the Red Wings, and the Tigers. So. <laughs> no, I, I I would imagine we're we're here on May first, uh, and, and it might be down to the old once a month routine until uh, the fall. So, um, but 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 you know. I, 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 maybe Brandon wants to do a daily show for the Olympics this summer. I maybe, don't know. I'll, I just really I'll want to, to talk about Miguel Cabrera's exit velocity, which I—that's really <laughs> when he can hit and when he can actually hit the ball. I don't know what his exit velocity is these days. When he can hit the ball—that's a good question. I'll tell you that I will drive him to the airport very quickly. Our exit velocity would be very fast if I had the opportunity. <laughs> and that blazer of yours is blazing down the highway. Jesus <laughs> anyway, with... He was so well behaved, Justin, up until now. So, yeah, so well it's, behaved. It's, it's, it's so well good. behaved. We went over that hour mark, and then the you know the pumpkin uh, happened. And poof. Yep, and then things things get ugly from there. I I understand, but uh, when you know. I don't know. I was gonna make uh, when when life hands you lemons, you just make lemonade with a type of reference. But I don't even have that to to, to, to run with here. All right. With that said, I think I think we're quite done with this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. For Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name's Justin Lee, and we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Take care.